0: I will be forever the method.
1: You're the king of kings though. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a peck in order. the Little peckers never mess with the big peckle. So I'm a rooster. And he's a chicken for This episode of the Bodybuilding Legends Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon sponsors. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon sponsor for the Bodybuilding Legends Podcast, Just go to bodybuildinglegendshow.com, and you will see the link in the upper right-hand corner. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Bodybuilding Legends podcast, where we talk to the legends of bodybuilding, and we also talk about the history of bodybuilding. I'm your host, John Hanson. On today's show, we are doing a tribute show for Mike Quinn, the great bodybuilder Mike Quinn, who passed away, I believe it was on Memorial Day just a couple weeks ago. And we are going to have on the show today, Neil Spruce, who used to be a former training partner and good friend of Mike Quinn. Neil trained with Mike for the 1990 Mr. Olympia contest. Neil is also a nutrition expert. He started running the nutrition analysis program at Gold's Gym, and he's still continuing that field today. So I've never had Neil on the show before. So it was great to talk to Neil. And also joining us is going to be Rick Valente. And Rick was another really good friend of Mike's. He was a training partner of Mike's. He trained with him in 1987, the year that Mike won the MPC USA Championship. And he was also instrumental in helping Mike with his posing routines, which were kind of groundbreaking at the time because Mike was really one of the first ones to do a mix of songs. Most of the time before that, people were just using one song. So Mike was using like five or six different songs, and it would just change the beat and he would do different poses and they were very very entertaining back then in the 80s so rick was the one responsible for that so it's going to be a nice show we're going to do a nice tribute to mike Wynn, who i really admired when i was growing up i thought he was a great bodybuilder very exciting guy and brought a lot of energy to the sport so i thought he deserved his own tribute show after he passed away at the age of only 61 years old so we'll be joining neil and rick in a minute Speaking of people passing away, uh, Dave DeYoung from uh, Quad's Gym, who I've known since I was a teenager from Chicago area, Dave passed away also a couple of weeks right around the same time Mike did, and they just had a memorial service for him on Thursday, and I believe the funeral was Friday out in Chicago. So I think Larry Bernstein was going out there. And he was going to fly in from Arizona, and I just did that interview with Dave and Larry last year, last September. And we were talking about uh, the gyms in Chicago and particularly Quads Gym and the old days of bodybuilding. And so because Dave just passed away, I realized I had never put that video up on YouTube. So I finally got it up last week. So if you guys want to check that out, just go to my YouTube channel under my name, John Hanson. And rest in peace, Dave. I hope his family and friends are doing okay. That was a real shock. I didn't think Dave was going to pass away so soon. And I kind of feel bad. I wish I would have got that video up. Before he passed away, so he would have had a chance to see it. So, but it is up on YouTube now. So, for anybody who wants to uh, check that out, all right. After our interview with Neil and Rick, where we talk about Mike Quinn, I'm going to read an article from Armad Tanny, and this comes from the May June 1966 issue of Muscle Builder Magazine. We're going way back, and this is an article about Gabe Boudreau, who was on the show last week, and the article is titled. How Gable Boudreaux Turned Jeers into Cheers, and it's written by Ahmed Tani. And again, this is from the May-June issue 1966 of Muscle Builder Magazine. And one of our Patreon sponsors, Jim Kerr, was kind enough to send me this issue because I don't have it. So he took a picture of it and sent me the article. So I'm going to read that as soon as we're done with our interview with Neil Spruce and Rick Valente. All right, did you guys check out the Arnold documentary that was on Netflix? It just came out last week on the 7th. It's a three-part interview, three hours long total. So the first part concentrates on Arnold the athlete, which, of course, was his bodybuilding career. And the second part is about Arnold the movie star. And the third part is about Arnold the politician when he was a governor of California. So, of course, for us, the first part of the documentary is going to be the most exciting And I tell you, it was really, really great as far as the footage goes because we've always been wanting to see that unseen footage from Pumping Iron because, as you know, they've shot over a 100 hours of footage in making the movie Pumping Iron, and Arnold bought all that footage. And uh, every once in a while, you'll see a little bit of a clip or a couple seconds of uh, some footage that was shot from Pumping Iron that we never saw before. So Arnold has all that footage, and he used quite a bit of it in this documentary, he let these guys use some of that footage. So there's some really, really great stuff in there. So you guys got to check it out just for that alone. The documentary itself has gotten kind of mixed reviews. I read some reviews about it from, from the critics on Rotten Tomatoes or Roger and A lot of people said it was kind of a self-serving documentary. It's not a really a, a typical documentary where they dive into the subject. This one is basically narrated by Arnold. So Arnold is pretty much 90% of the documentary. The producers of the documentary contacted me about a couple of years ago when they were starting to make this, and they were asking me if, like, if, if I could give them some information on some of the guests that I interviewed on this show, like Boyer Co. This was before I interviewed Rick Wayne, but Charles Gaines was another one. I think Mike Katz, maybe Roy Callender. So Charles is in the documentary, and so is Boyer, but they're in it very, very briefly. I mean, Charles Gaines had a big impact On arnold's career with the pumping iron book and then the pumping Iron movie and he's not in it very much like i said it's mostly arnold doing the narrating so i think a typical documentary a regular documentary would have had interviews with other people where they would have talked about the subject which was arnold this one is mostly narrated by arnold who's a great storyteller and he does a great job of it of course but it is a little different from that perspective but regardless Regardless of what you think about it, you guys got to check it out just for that great footage. And they've got some really good old pictures, too, of Arnold when he was younger. And he talks a lot about his growing up in Austria, and his childhood, and his dad, his parents, finding out about Reg Park. It was all really great stuff. Really, really good stuff. So especially for this younger generation who may not know of Arnold the bodybuilder as much as Arnold the movie star or... I guess if you're young enough, you probably don't even know of Arnold, the movie star. You probably just know him as the guy who runs the Arnold Classic every year. So it's really informational, and it'll be great stuff for people who don't know anything about Arnold, unlike us, of course, who have grown up with Arnold. So check that out and let me know what you think. Next week on the show, we're planning to have our little review of the Arnold documentary. So it's going to be myself and Jerry Branham, and Mark Martinez, hopefully, will be able to join us, too. Mark is the director of the new movie, Dream Big, and so we'll all talk about it. We've all seen it. I think I know Jerry really liked it a lot. Jerry has known Arnold since the 60s, and he's friends with him, so it'll be interesting to hear his take on it as well. So we're all going to talk about it, which hopefully will be on next week's show on the podcast, so stay tuned for that. All right, before we get to our interview with Neil and Rick, let me read some of the emails I got last week. So this one is from Jim Kerr, and Jim, as I mentioned, was the one who sent me this article that I'm going to read about Gabe Boudreau. but Jim sent me an email, and he said, Hey, John, great interview with Gabe. I always wondered what happened to him. A while back, I was watching some old classic bodybuilding DVDs from Wayne Galash. Boudreaux was in one, and I thought he had one of the best physiques for his time. It's great that he achieved his physique without steroids. Some of Gabe's comments really caught me by surprise. He's from Louisiana, but he never met Boyer Coe or Casey Viator." taking 50 years off and having excellent gains at age 80. Keep up the good work. Yeah, that that is really amazing. (laughs) Gabe is one of a kind to take 50 years off of training, and he comes back to training at 80 years old. And then he says, P.S., I still have my old May-June 1966 issue of Muscle Builder Magazine with a nice article on Gabe titled How Gabriel Boudreau Turned Jeers into Cheers by Ahmed Tanny. If you'd like, I could try to send you a copy. And he did so that's the magazine article that we're going to read right after our interview with Neil and Rick. This one comes from Rick Kassia, and he says, Hi, John. Question. How frequently do you post your podcasts to the Apple podcast platform and how quickly do you get new episodes posted? I really enjoy listening to them at the gym or when I'm walking the dog in the evenings. I may be wrong, but it seems you post them to YouTube and your website first before they're posted to Apple. Anyways, I've listened to almost all of them, and I really look forward to any planned new upcoming episodes. Thanks again for doing what you do. P.S. Anything planned on Larry Scott? Well, actually, Rick, I do post them on Apple and Spotify and all the other platforms that have podcasts. I post them as soon as they're up. So as soon as I do an interview, I will post it right away that week. We usually put them up on Mondays. So they usually go on there first. But if you want to check out some of my old episodes, go to BodybuildingLegendShow.com, which is our official website, and look under the podcast link, and you will see all the episodes. I think on Spotify and Apple, for some reason, they only post the last 100 episodes. So as the new ones come up, the other ones are going to get eliminated. So if you want to check out all the episodes we've done, again, go to BodybuildingLegendShow.com, the official website, look under Podcasts. And I just updated the podcast site this last weekend, so it is completely updated now. We have all the shows up there, and including this one. I will put this one up there as soon as we get this one done as well, and they are all up there. Regarding Larry Scott, hold on. Now, when I first started the podcast, and we're going on six years now, we started in, yeah, 2017. So when we started, we started off doing seasons, and we did a different different like subject for each season. We talked about the 1990 Mr. Olympia, for example, we did a whole season on that where they did the drug testing there. Let me, let me scroll down. I'm on the site right now. So I'll show you the uh, seasons that we had. We talked about the 1981 Olympia. So I talked to bodybuilders who were in the show and also judges and writers about that. We talked about the 40th anniversary of pumping iron So that was a season. We did a season about the Nava universe. And we did a season, it was called The Larry Scott Years. So you want to check that out. I did interviews with Roger Schwab, who was in attendance at the 1965 Mr. Olympia. So he talked about being there and watching that show. We talked to Dave Mastarakis, who was actually in the contest. He was in the Mr. America contest in 1965 and 66. And he took some pictures backstage, and he was only a teenager at the time, but they let him go in the Mr. America contest. We talked to Jerry Branham, of course, who was also in attendance at the show because Jerry was from Brooklyn, and the contest was held at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. We talked to Don Howarth. Don was in the contest, of course, and he won the Mr. America contest in 1967, I believe, the year before Frank Zane did. And we talked to Vic Downs, and Vic was also in those competitions back then. So, yeah, check out the website and go all the way down to the bottom, and you'll see the different seasons. This was season six, and it was called the Larry Scott Years, and I think you'll really enjoy that if you want some more information on Larry Scott. All right, guys, without any further ado, here is our interview with Neil Spruce and Rick Valente, where we give a tribute to Mike Quinn. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the Bodybuilding Legend Show, and I have two very special guests with me today. We are going to do a tribute show to Mike Quinn, who just passed away. So first of all, we have Neil Spruce. Neil was a training partner of Mike, a good friend of Mike back in the early 90s. He ran the Nutrition Analysis Program over at Gold's Gym in Venice, California. And we also have Rick Valente. Rick was also another really close friend of Mike's, another training partner of Mike, good friend of Mike's, and he helped him with his posing routines. So, welcome
2: to the show, guys. I appreciate you guys being here. Hey, thank you. Yeah, great moment for all of us. Yeah. Yes. This is
0: all about Mike Quinn. And listen, love and respect, man. That's exactly what he deserves. Yeah. If you trained with him, which Neil did, and Neil was great because he he hooked him up with better supplements, better nutrition, and he got ripped. And he, he looked amazing. And for a lot of guys, when they get ripped, they lose a lot of muscle size. Mm-hmm. But working with Neil, he kept his muscle size.
3: Yeah,
0: and he trained like an animal. Anybody who ever trained with him knows you did force reps. You went heavy as hell. I yeah. mean, he was an animal. Yeah, and he was. He was a stud, man. He everybody. Some people feared him because <laughs> <laughs> he was just a tough
2: guy. Yeah, he really was.
1: Yeah, that's why I wanted to do the show about Mike. He was
2: nicknamed nicknamed Animal for a while, too. That's right. That's right. (laughs) We used to call him that. That's
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's why I wanted to do the show about Mike, because I I didn't know Mike back then like you guys did, um, but I was a bodybuilder in Chicago, and I always admired Mike. Uh, Even though he never won a pro show, he had a great physique. It was very inspirational. It was a very powerful physique. His posing routines were amazing. I mean, he was just he was a fun yes. guy to watch. He brought a lot of energy to the sport and you never knew what you're going to get when you saw him. I mean, you would never want to leave the auditorium if he came out to pose, you know. Yeah, he was no, very he popular. Loved, he was one of the most popular bodybuilders in 1980s. He
0: loved to pose. And, and when I started working with him, I made him go into the posing room and we would hold every mandatory pose and I would time it for one minute. It's very challenging. And he would yeah. be screaming and swearing. But when <laughs> you did that, you would be the first one in the pose. You wouldn't be shaken at all. Yeah. And you would be the last one out of it. Right. And, and then we went into his posing routine. And I, I worked with him on just starting each pose with his fingers. You open mm. your hands and you close them. And then yeah. I got him to do ground stuff where he went down. And, yes, you know, all kinds of stuff. And yeah, we had a blast, man. I really loved working with him and helping him with his routine. Then we played with some rock and roll music because he was a yeah. guy. And he loved putting on rock and roll music. He would say things to the audience and they would cheer him, <laughs> their hands. I mean, great,
3: great.
0: yeah, it, 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 there's very few posing routines like that now.
2: Right. right? Oh, Tell yeah, the
1: posing's about. terrible now, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, the testimonial to that, though, Rick, is when he competed, and it was the 90 Olympia, right, John, where he came in like 15th or something. Yeah, you know? the one that was drug but, tested. Uh,
3: yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. It was the first drug tested one ever. Yeah. Right. And so he really slid back compared to, I think, he came in sixth in the first one before that. Right. But you're right. He slid back to that. Uh, but, the, but the posing, it yeah. brought the house down. Yeah. It yes. brought the house down. You thought he won the show. Right? You yeah. literally yeah. thought he won the show. Everyone right. thought that. They go, yeah. oh, this is it. I mean, this is going to get any better. So yeah. the, the show I got, the, the, the the show I got yeah. him
0: ready for, he won. And we went to Vegas and partied. And I love well, the USA, before. right?
3: Yeah.
0: yeah, we had so much fun, man. Yeah. yeah. I miss him. It breaks my heart that he's passed.
2: Yeah. 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 For sure, all of us. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, 80- how did you first meet,
1: Mike? What year did you first meet? Well, him? you know
2: what's so funny? I knew that a question was gonna be asked to me. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, shut up. don't know sure I can actually <laughs> listen, and I and I don't forget anything. That's what's so weird, but it must have been an unremarkable moment because we competed together. In fact, in the in the USA that he won, was that eighty six? Eighty seven. Right. 87, yeah. right? That's when I slid all the way back. Uh, I mean, listen. After being second and third, you know, here I am, all the way back. You know, in this, in, in the, the seventh or something like that. And I think we yeah. met. That was probably the time we met. And okay. then uh, I'm just guessing it was. And then there was another time uh, in Venice when we. I mean, that part I remember when I when we were in Venice together, and because he was coming back out every once in a while, we'd come from the East Coast out there to work out, and then we just kind of hit it off, just just because. Uh, you know, and again, we can say this here. You know, I grew up an outlaw, you know, and so outlaws no outlaws, and there's a <laughs> connection between you and you know. Be- listen, I-, I did grow out of it to a certain extent. My wife will tell you I haven't yet, but uh, you know. But when you grow up, you know, and, that, and for me, it was motorcycle gangs. You know, Devil's Henchmen was our group out of San Carlos, you know, okay. south of San Francisco, and uh, so it was just you know, you kind of you, you have that same vibe. As someone, you know, and yeah. so you know, it, and next thing you know, you're not talking about that stuff, but you're just connected somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how Mike and I connected.
0: Yeah. It is funny how certain people who grew up together, very similar, because I grew up the same way you did, Neil. There were several motorcycle clubs around our place. Yeah. You know, the Huns, all kinds of bikers. Yeah. Yeah. And when you were a little kid and you were standing outside and you saw 25 Harleys go by straight pipes, you were shocked. <laughs> and they would they would pull by really fast and shift and we would be wow, that's why at ten ten years old you got a mini bike.
3: <laughs>
0: we, all, we all did stuff like that. And right. Mike and I clicked the same reason why Neil and him clicked, because we kind of grew up together. Yeah. And very similar. And when you meet people like that, you click, and what happens is you have respect for each other. And when you really become friends, he would do anything
2: for me. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Anything I needed, he would do for me. Anything he needed, I would do for him. Yeah. And that's what real friendship is all about.
2: And he did stuff for me. I didn't even want him to do.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, he would. He would. He really would. And i tell you what. He helped out a lot of people in yeah. Florida, all over the place, uh, for, free, heart. for free, who wanted yeah. Yeah. to trade. Yeah. And, and that's why, Big you know what, I'm so grateful we're giving him love and respect because he deserves it. Yeah. And yeah. I, I know his sister – I listen – I was with him when his younger sister passed away. It broke his
1: heart. It really Yeah, died. that was really devastating for him, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and now
0: so. and now, you know, his other sister is trying to raise a little money mm-hmm. to pay for his funeral. And so, you know, it's on Facebook, it's all over the place. I know a lot of people don't have a lot of money, but please just give $10 if you can. Yeah. Try to help her pay for the funeral and, and do a really nice one and yeah. buy him a beautiful stone. You yeah. Know what I mean? yeah. Because yes. when you really want a beautiful stone, it's gonna cost you 10 grand. Yeah. Let's right. face yeah. it. So anybody who respected and liked him, anything you may have, ten dollars, twenty dollars, doesn't matter. Yeah. Show him the love and respect he deserves. Because, like I said before, when we all leave this earth. What people are going to talk about and say about you is how they felt being around you when you were here. Yeah. Energy was really cool and funny, and when you walked away, they were laughing and go, "I love that dude." You know? <laughs> if you were <laughs> right. an asshole and you were talking shit to them when you walked away, they were saying, "Fuck you." <laughs> <Right>. so, <Yeah.
3: laughs>
0: and, and so many people in today's world are so full of anxiety because. The world is upside down. Nothing makes any common sense.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. you, you know, old school guys like us, we look at the stuff that's going on and we go, wow. "I don't understand it."
1: Right, right. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, the thing that no one
2: understood that the generation above us didn't understand us. So you know, yeah, that's just right. that's just the the world. You got to deal with it, let it flow. It is what it is. And yeah. I, I made this comment to Rick the other day on the phone. Hey because I lecture to all kids. I mean, they're all in their 20s, the young fitness professionals of the world, the next generation that's replacing all the ones that we grew up. And I I lecture and I pass on whatever wisdom I can. I always tell them, hey, the world has changed and I really don't belong in it anymore. But I'm going to give it to you because you do. And this is how you're going to navigate these waters and these waters and and the whole rest of it there. I just
0: (laughs) wish this new generation would show a little more respect for older people, when I grew uh, up, my father insisted
1: you respect older people, right? Right,
0: And this new generation just seems different, they don't yeah, even respect they, their parents.
1: They kind of make fun of people that are older. I'm like, What do you think's gonna happen to you? <laughs> I
0: know <laughs> I see that all the time when they post pictures of older actors, yeah. And they show yeah. a young picture when they were 20, 25, and then they show yeah. a picture when they were 65, 70. Hey, yeah. we all age. Right, right. Listen, I understand. I did all kinds of modeling, looked in the mirror. I used to go like this. I'm 65 now. You know what? I look in the mirror and I go, whoa, whoa. whoa." (laughs) So I understand. Listen, but how we respond to all of this is so very important. Yeah. We lost so many friends in the last three years. Mm -hmm. And so I study human behavior a lot because I have to. And I understand that how we respond to that. So what I do is I have pictures of a lot of the friends that I lost and I see them every day and I, I tap myself sh- on the shoulder and I say, I'm going to enjoy today and get the most out of it. Yeah, it makes yeah. me challenge myself to be grateful I'm alive and try to enjoy every day. Because yeah. everybody who's listening to this, everybody you see is leaving this earth too. None of us live forever. Right. So right. try to find a new hobby. Try to find a passion that makes you happy. Because yeah. the real goal is: Are you happy?
1: Yeah. True. Of
2: course. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So Mike had this. Uh, for people who didn't know him, he had this reputation as this wild man. Like you said, Rick, he was kind of intimidating. If you didn't know yes. him, you might even be yes. afraid to go up to him. But you guys got to know him on a personal level. Uh, Neil, he lived with you for over a year. Uh, so tell us a little bit about. What his personality was like. Obviously, it was very intense in the gym, but there was another side to him too.
2: Yeah, for me, when he was the time we spent together, a lot, right? Obviously, you know, living together and so forth. He was always there, and he he was a, a little brother. Uh, you know, me being older, he did look up to me as sort of a mentor in many mm-hmm. different ways. You know, even in because again, I, I'm a, I'm a guy that grew up with no parents, so I was parented myself growing up. Uh, so he always looked at and kind of admired me for just, you know, what was going on there. So I was able to help him that way. But the part about him, so he was a different around me completely. Okay. Um, there was never a time he had this different kind of respect for me than you would if you didn't know me or whatever. He would he just wanted to every, he wanted to really please me in every single way. And he wanted to please my wife uh you know who allowed him to live there you know mm-hmm. which, which, which was a difficult conversation when uh he was getting ready to the. i gotta tell you she was she goes no, no, there's no way that guy's living here because he she was a wild guy and everything else and right. i go listen we're gonna train together he's gonna get ready for the olympia and all that and listen i I'm, I'm at the end of my bodybuilding career so let's have fun she goes okay so she finally put it up there but i will go and in, in that moment um in that time he protected her like he would protect me. It's like a son protecting a dad or a son protecting his mom, you know, a full grown son, uh, just being, you know, uh, I'm younger, stronger and everything's going to go right. And he was, that was the thing that you would recognize immediately. I mean, cause we would go out together and we would go out to a bar together. Uh, Mike and I at that before this is, you know, before he's, you know, in his diet mode and all that. We yeah. like, like we went to Lyle Alzado's place in Hollywood all the time. We would go out there. And you know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm getting in trouble because girls are hitting on us and all that. And he knows I'm married to Christina. So he's just like this. He would just break it up immediately. And he goes, <laughs> no one's talking to this guy. You're out. He He's married to the best woman in the world. And he would just run them on. Uh, they, they would just look like this. They would just go like, he would protect her. You know what yeah. I mean? All these kind of thing. And that would just shut me down, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, he was like that it was the same thing with me i mean it was like if, if anything was going to happen we were back to back in a fight literally back to back we're back to back in a fight you know whatever it would be he was always there and he always wanted to you know protect us and be that be that person there so he had a, just this incredible warm heart and you can see it and a very emotional guy as well yeah. you know which sometimes which sometimes didn't help him you know obviously in, in certain situations but that's the kind of guy mike was huge heart Uh, really respected people that were that that would deserve respect and that were part of his orbit and uh just just wonderful that way and that's that's the way i will always remember him as a a strong son that really cared Hmm. yeah yeah He he
0: hung out with tanya and i when i was you know tanya lived with me for a year we were engaged
2: yeah and you know, yeah, you missed that one. Yeah, and it's you know, it's a
0: heartbreak that she passed away. Too. Yeah, was. I don't, no, was I just really don't even
2: go there because I, 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 you know, yeah. oh, yeah.
0: So, yeah. but Mike would always do whatever she needed, hmm. he was so respectful to her.
2: Yeah. You know,
0: and it was really,
2: it was a, it was a, by the way, by the way, Rick, I would have too. So just so you know. (laughs) Everybody wanted to do something. Who didn't have a crush on Tanya? Who didn't have a crush on her? I
0: know. She was beautiful. (laughs) She was beautiful and had a beautiful Uh, body.
2: Everything about her. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But Mike was really cool with that. Mike was anything she needed, he would help her with. He was a cool guy, man, and I'm so glad we're getting to give him some love and respect and tell the world about his energy and what kind of a person he was. Listen, none of us are perfect, okay? We all have our own opinions, and we have to also respect people for their opinion. And that's the problem we have with this social media bullshit. Mm -hmm. If you don't agree with the way one person's thinking, he thinks you're an asshole yeah yeah I mean, you're not a, you're not allowed to have your own opinion right,
3: right and that's
0: what's really right. funny that's yeah. what you know, mike and i we would argue about stuff because i would have my own opinion mm-hmm. so certain things we would get into i would be like nah you don't need to do that listen he would fight anybody oh no he question yeah. he would fight anybody he was a tough tough kid
1: now when yeah. he was in the, when he was in the gym training with you guys were there uh, confrontations? I mean, would he take people on?
0: Sometimes, sure. Sometimes, yep. Yeah. He listen. He back
2: with... down. Uh, most people would back down. I mean, there was a fight between. You remember Jeff, uh, the African American guy, did some part time movie stuff, but he was always hanging out. Jeff, uh, I think he might have died recently too. I forget. Oh, God. Uh, but uh, he was in. He got in a fight with this guy that was hitting on him. Oh, Jeff Henry. Yes, 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 yes. He died. He was a good yeah. friend of mine. Yeah. Oh, wow. So he got in a fight with this guy. That's and right. Mike and I are working out right next to him. And Jeff just hit this guy, just split his face up. Mike yeah. actually had to pick up Jeff and hold him down like this and carry yeah. him out of the gym, yeah. you know, to be able to shut him down. So we're out there trying to calm him down because this guy's laying on the yeah. floor in there, you know. Yeah. He was dying in for enough. a
0: show. We were both yeah. getting ready for, I think – it was either Mr. Los Angeles or Mr. California, and he was getting ready for the show, and the guy kept following him and talking shit to him. I don't yeah. know why, That's but right. Jeff was a yeah. tough dude. Yeah. Jeff was another was. guy who was so cool. cool.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. Mike. That was a different world back then, now, where there was fights in the gym and stuff. Now oh, you know, yeah. Guys
2: brought guns into the gym. Remember when Michael Burrow oh, yeah. brought the gun in there? That's you know, right. Mike was my first training partner when I moved to Venice. Oh, really? And I'm going, okay, I got a wacko here. You know, so
0: I remember when Lyle got in a fight with the two uh, Barbarian brothers.
2: I heard oh. about that. Heard oh, about are that. you kidding me? And took them both out. Yeah. <laughs> I was not there. I was on the road back then. You know, yeah. Derek obviously was there and everything else. But I oh. go, you know, I don't care how big you are. You don't screw around with a D.E. Oh. Uh, a. <laughs> football, because they know how to move mass right, in a whole right. way than you do, buddy. I got news. <laughs> <to lose. laughs> what was the
1: story? Oh, and, uh,
2: were the barbarians
1: uh, in his house or something? They had a party? When no, it was in the gym. Day? It was in the gym. Oh,
0: okay. It, I, it, I, no, it I, happened I, in the gym, but it happened, I think, something. He was letting the, the brothers live in his guest house.
3: Right, right. Because
0: he had <laughs> to hit a big house with a guest house. And yeah. apparently, I don't know all the facts, but something happened where they didn't Take care of it. Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: And so yeah, they I'm got sure. into yeah. something and Lyle threw him right out the door. I mean, both of them. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Lyle yeah. Alzado was also one of the toughest dudes. Yeah. yeah. That's,
3: that's, for sure. another,
0: that's another dude. When I tore my pec, he took me to the hospital. Really? Lyle yeah. and I, would we developed such a good friendship. That's another guy. When you were in the inner circle with him, he would do anything for you. Yeah, yeah. He took me to the hospital when I tore my pec. They wouldn't touch me because I didn't have insurance. Yeah. So what did he do? He took me to the Raiders uh, doctor.
3: Oh, really? Okay. Yeah.
0: And, and it listen, Lyle was an amazing guy, too. I mean, it's amazing how many people we can mention.
3: Yeah, you see, yeah of
0: course. and I, when you were at Gold's yeah. Gym throughout the 80s and 90s, it was really an amazing place. To oh, try. the best time. Best yeah. times. It, it yes. wasn't just the best bodybuilders, it was the most amazing wrestlers, the actors, the rock stars, I football mean, players, football, yeah, baseball, that, basketball, yeah. Hockey, basketball. Oh, hockey Yeah. yeah,
2: Cheerleaders. The cheerle- LA cheerleaders That's, were all in the plain, there. Play play
0: <laughs> girls were there.
2: I I got to train them all. I'm mean, I'm trying to do their nutrition programs for them. Yeah. when what's her name? Who's that? The famous one that went off and became a good singer. Uh Oh, I forget. I don't, I don't want to divert from Mike. So I, we're, yeah, we're, yeah. we're going to go on forever if we keep talking about gold. So let's stop right. right here. You're right. You're right. You're right.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. So when Mike was dieting, that's when he would get a little bit crazy, right? Very. Yeah. Very crazy, irritable. Crazy.
2: Very irritable.
1: Man. Yeah.
2: Well, who I doesn't mean, when they get – listen, uh, we had – as you know, John, you, know, you competed uh, also like all yeah. of us. I mean, when you're dieting, the first thing you tell your girlfriend, you're out for the next four weeks because <laughs> right. something really really bad is going to happen here you know so you're out so you know and then you always made sure of that and I, I just and they could show up at the contest and root for you but there's no way you're going to be around me the last four weeks because it's yeah. not going to be good it's not going to be pretty yeah so I, mean, I don't care who you are but mike was, of course got a little worse <laughs> was
1: mike uh like more endomorphic did he have a hard time getting ripped i mean you would know this neil because you helped him with his nutrition right
2: um, the hard time for him was really sticking to something, okay. you know, Mike, Mike did have a, a little issue with alcohol. Uh, and so he would like sneak out and add a little of that here and mm. there when he was supposed to be on a diet. Right. And that's what, that's what killed him there. Otherwise it's the same thing for everybody. It's just being able to stick to something that you hate, yeah. you know, and, and, then unfortunately that was literally what hurt him on that. Uh, otherwise, he'd be like anybody else, be able to lose the body fat. I and mean, when I, I work with Flex for all the Arnold you know, Classics, I mean, it, I mean, that just shows up right there. You just stick with it because he would never drink or do anything. You know, right. when it came to anything beyond that. But but right. Mike, you never knew. He would tell you, "I only had my two thousand calories today." and yeah, he probably had two thousand on alcohol along with something else, or maybe on that day. I'm not saying mm-hmm. he would always did it, but every once in a while, he would go off the rails. Yeah, and I always knew it. I, I could just look at him and see it. You know, so.
1: Well, I heard stories about when he did the first Olympia in 88 cuz nobody had him pegged for the top 10. And exactly. I heard that like 2 months before the show he was 250 huge, but like fat, you know, bulked right. up and fat. And then he shows up the show at 204 shredded and he makes yeah. top 6. So he must build exactly. himself for this 2 months before the show.
2: Yeah, I'm sure he did. You know, yeah. so, I I didn't know him then. I didn't work with him then. So okay. I, I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't answer that one for you, but it um, that was the beginning of it with him That's why he wanted to move to Venice Because he thought that was that was the beginning of his trajectory Now he's in a different place now, right? Yeah. And because he was yeah. such a character To Rick's point, he was such a character He became way more famous Than anybody else at that sort of level If you will Yeah. And uh, they were doing the little clothing lines around him He was getting all this attention All the coverage from the sure. magazines Everything sure. was happening there Because he had this bad boy attitude yeah. Along with a fan following That was just second to none that's right. Him, you know, more than top, any of the guys above him. And because he was a character, you know, yeah. and I think that's what it got. And that kind of got to him a little bit. And that kind of got, you know, that's where he kind of went a little bit. And then, of course, the sister dying and all that really mm. put him into a different place in his life. And he wasn't able to handle the celebrity. Oh what he, you know, he, he took it. He, he wasn't. That's when he was living with me. Yeah. And he wasn't able to have, they, they brought all the clothing line. All these people brought the clothing line to my place in Venice. And hey, here's mm-hmm. what we're going to do. They're bringing all these samples and all this. And you know, he's like a deer in headlights at that point and does not really, really didn't know how to handle any kind of, from a business standpoint. And then, God, am I really that famous? I mean, he was really kind of that. He was very humble that way. As mm-hmm. much as you wouldn't think that because he's a tough guy, you know, sticking his chest out or whatever it is, he yeah. was very humble when it came to his success. And then it just got him. And then you mm-hmm. really didn't handle it well.
1: Yeah, that was a different time of bodybuilding. Obviously, that was before social media, it was before computers. But the magazines were the big thing. And like oh. you said, Mike was a huge influence on the magazines because Absolutely. He, he not only had that persona, that bad boy persona, and he had a great physique, but he also gave great interviews. Every interview he gave, he was, like, completely open and talked about everything. You know, That's there was right. no filter right. with him.
0: Absolutely, we we did several photo shoots together for Weider, for Uh Gold's Gym. We did a lot of magazine stuff together. And that one, uh, the photographer Mike, what's his last name? That shot him with the pool table. I went with
2: Mike. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a cover. That's a cover. Exactly. Right. Yeah,
1: I remember that.
2: Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah. What year did you meet him? Oh, I met him in the. Probably eighty four. Oh, really? Wasn't what? he, uh, John? You would know this since you're such an aficionado on those. Wasn't he in the eighty five USA in Vegas, Mike? Yes. And didn't place and didn't yes. place. Yeah, it was because I placed four. fifth. I yeah. came. I got the last trophy. <laughs> After being second and third, I got the last trophy in that one. Yeah. There, Mike went home to have a pizza. He didn't even make the night show. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that, that was it. Yeah. So I know. I remember talking to him backstage then. At that point, too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, then I think he kind of came back in '86, and uh, he got fourth at the Nationals. That Stridum won, and then right. uh, Rick knows he was he won the USA the next year in '87. Right. right? Yeah, '87. Yeah. Yep, yep. So you were and training, I came with that year. I right? came in
2: eight. <laughs> there's a point where you got to go. I'm getting better, but I'm going backwards <laughs> in the placing. And I go, okay. So in, in 1990, I go, okay, it's time.
1: Yeah. After 16, <laughs>
2: 17 years of trying to be Mr. Olympia.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I want to talk I'm about all his, his posing all too doing. because uh, the guys back then were great posers. I look at the tapes now, like even you know Lee Haney was a great poser. Sean Lee Ray, was Yeah, Sean Ray. Sean Ray. Rich Gaspari was a great poser. Yeah, but uh, Mike, like you said, Rick, Mike was using pop music or rock music, rock and roll, rock and roll. Yeah, and I think he was one of the first ones to do like mixes, right? They, like, yeah,
0: little, little yeah. we mixed it. Exactly.
1: Yeah. You were mixing we that with the, the music. music. Right. Yeah. Was that your idea to do that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I yeah. did it for Robbie too. We okay. mixed music. Yeah. So you would hit so many different poses to the rock and roll or something, and then yeah. you could switch it to something else.
3: Right. It was right. really
0: fun. Posing, yeah. Listen, when we competed, what was so important was peaking. Obviously, you wanted to peak that night. Yeah. But also, your posing routine had to be really good. Yeah, And in today's world, I, just, I, you know, I don't want to judge anybody, but it, it seems very rare that these new bodybuilders actually peak Yeah, and are shredded where their waist is small. They right. got beautiful shape to where it's like art. It's yeah. no longer like art. It's just different. And they're posing routines. I went to a show in Vegas for the Olympia. Mm-hmm. These guys came out and before they even hit a post, they went like this. Yeah. They wanted applauses. I'm like, <laughs> they, they hit a bang. then they'd walk over, hit another thing. No posing yeah. routine at all. And right. I just sat there and I was like, I must really be an old school guy. Yeah, Because I yeah. understand we all like what we like. And this new generation is different, man. It's different.
1: Yeah. Well, it's amazing, Rick, that you mentioned that Olympia. Because I went to the Olympia. No, I didn't, wa- I didn't go there, but I watched it. I can't remember one routine or one piece of music from that contest. It was six months ago. But I can remember going back to the 80s. What posing song they did, yeah. what the scene was? I mean that's because it was so
0: was. entertaining, yeah, Listen, yeah. even if you, even if the people weren't into bodybuilding, they still watched it and was like, "Wow, that's beautiful, yeah, yeah. it was fun. That's when bodybuilding
2: was art, yeah and it's just different now. yeah, well, so my note on posing John and Rick, yeah. is uh, I hate it. I hated posing. Oh, really? I loved going to the gym and lifting heavy shit. Yeah. And then my my body started blowing up, so I I better do something. With it. I became a bodybuilder. But I hated it, and mm-hmm. I hated practicing it. I hated everything. I had Ed Corney help me, and so I, wow. I, I swear to God. And I go, and he goes, uh, "You're a lost cause, Neil." He was you know, a great so posing. I swear to God, I just uh, he was great. Well, he was a, obviously the man in the beginning. He's he was man, like the beginning, yeah. the beginning exactly. of the epoetic posing was Ed Corney. So he lived with it with me in San Jose. So I just go, yeah, okay. He worked with me, and and I just hated every minute. I hated every time going there and working posing with them. <laughs> never, never liked it. So I was never a great poser. But I will tell you this: I do have bragging rights. The eighty, the eighty-two USA, I came out and no one had ever posed to heavy metal before. I came out to ACDC's Hell's Bells. Wow! <laughs> the place went nuts. It went nuts. So no matter how bad I was, and I actually fell. I was doing a back. Like this, when I started wobbling on the stage. That's how bad I was. Okay, the place still went nuts because of Hell's Bell's ACDC. <laughs> anyway, that's what
1: it was. It was the good music. Like they use music yeah. that you would remember. It was. It's you know, absolutely. Music. And the audience respond. Yeah. I, I help a few people out here in Tampa with their posing, and they'll come to me with it. This is what I picked for my music, and it's like some instrumental sign. I haven't even heard of. It. I go, "What is this? You know, you got to use something that's going to get the audience going. You know, right. it's such an it's such a integral part of opposing routine, right?
2: I totally agree. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Neil, when you worked with Mike, I always wanted to ask you this, because uh, that, that 90 Olympia was the only one that was drug tested, and I went to it. It was in Chicago where I live, and you could tell a lot of the guys looked terrible. Like, they were really clean. Some of the guys looked close to what they were. Some guys, there was like a couple guys that almost looked better than what they ever were before, but Mike looked like he was really clean. Did, you, did he tell you, like, what he was doing or what he wasn't doing? Yeah,
2: yeah, I knew exactly what he was doing. And not, only because I have to kind of know that. And he was working with a guy that knew how to mask everything. But the yeah. dosage just yeah. still had to be down. Yeah. You know, and, of yeah. course, you know, water-based, so it gets out and the test. And he passed the test. But you could see if he was on the real deal stuff, yeah. it would have been another yeah. world for sure. Right. So he, he stopped. He suffered by 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 doing the right thing so he could pass certainly no, was, the drug was, test. But there was not a single clean person up there. They just they had whoever had the better scientist is the yeah. one that uh, ended up, you know, looking OK and not losing that much. But I could just see it because I know what it looks like when you're when you're on stuff and you're eating and you're working like that on the full boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, look at the bodybuilders today. And I don't think I, yeah. don't, I don't that says that's enough said right there. Yeah, you know, but yeah, but my yeah. So Mike, Mike suffered from that, but he was he was probably cleaner than almost anybody up there because he actually turned out that the guy was getting the stuff was so watered down that it was basically doing nothing.
1: Yeah, that's what it almost looked like because I I saw a video of you guys training in the gym before that contest, and I think he was using like hundred pound dumbbells for the inclines, but it was it looked
2: heavy, you know, where I don't think that ever would have been
1: heavy for him before.
2: That's for sure. Yeah. And
1: his upper body looked great. It's just he lost the legs, you know. Over the yeah.
2: End. yeah, he lost the legs. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. 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 Rick, what was it like uh, uh, training with Mike? I mean, with these was the defenses, I it would was think. Great.
0: Oh, yeah. No, no. You had to you had to uh, step up. And you had to go heavy. Yeah. And you had to do force reps. And, you know, you had to keep going. It was, it was great. Listen, there's very few people right now that train like that. I yeah. mean – yeah. Very few. I mean, I go to Gold's all the time and everybody's looking at their cell phones. I mean, it's all, yeah, about, right,
3: right, it's right. all
0: about, you know, taking pictures of yourself. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know what's crazy about this new social media stuff? I'm just not one of those guys. I always thought if you were really good at something, let other people say
3: it. Yeah.
0: But all these guys are saying, I'm a legend. I'm a superstar. I'm this, I'm that. I'm like, really? I just I I don't know. Yeah, I'm an old school guy. That's not what I do. But hey, if they want to do it, they have the right. They have the right to do it. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. just when, when you when they're training and in between sets, they're looking at their phones for ten, fifteen minutes. Yeah. You yeah. go over and you go, excuse me, uh, can I jump in? They go, No. I go, Okay, well, how many sets do you have? Uh
2: five. <laughs> so I, I just walk
0: away and shake my head yeah. because
2: I I can't. That's awful nice of you. I don't listen. If I back in the day when I walked in, when I I was a bodybuilder, I mean, I'm in Venice, I don't care what gym. And if someone finishes their set, I just jump in. I know. Well, back then, I'm going to work in. I'm going to work in with you, okay, buddy? Back in the day, back in the 80s,
0: people wanted you wanted to jump in and you compete
1: against each other. Yeah.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, they don't do that. They don't know move what that over, means. Move
2: over, buddy. Here. Move over. I'm going to work. I'm doing the next set here. Okay? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Lou Ferrigno was like that. I love Oh, yeah. yeah. He oh, would man. come in, and if you're using the bench he wants, he goes, move down. Move down. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, the first hardcore gym I went to, uh, I was on a machine or a bench or something. Some big power lifter came in, and he goes, All right, you're done. We're using that bench. I was like, you're done. Okay, I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's a different world for sure.
2: Yeah, it is, yeah.
1: Yeah, they don't know what it means to work in with you anymore. And I I like when you ask them, like, how many sets they got, and they go, I just started. Like, they have no idea what they're doing. Uh, There's
0: no more gym etiquette. Back then, the gym... It was, and, it was a, a rule almost. If someone wants to train with you, you don't own that piece of equipment you're using. That's right. That's right. You're just using it. So yeah. if someone yeah. wants to use he it too, you have to let them. Yeah. And back exactly. in the 80s and 90s, you want to jump in? Come on.
2: Because we'd yeah. start competing against each other. It yeah. made it even more fun. And you said it just right. It was gym etiquette. Just like there's golf etiquette. Just like there's all a uh, street street basketball. You know, I lived in Venice and I played pickup basketball all the time. There's etiquette. Now, we got in fights every day, but there's right. etiquette even about the fights. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> and back then, even, even today, I still do it. I put dumbbells back. I put oh, no, the equipment back. Yeah. Yeah, i take course. the plates off of the machine. I'm all the plates off.
2: Yep. You know?
0: Nobody yeah. does it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> And by the way, I, I do it in my own gym. My boys don't, you know. So, but I, I do it in my own.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Rick, what well, was let's it keep this. Let's keep this on, Mike.
0: Yeah. And, you know, let's. Yeah. You know, let's let's say to Mike. Listen, Mike, we love you. We miss you, and we'll see you on the other side. And and when when I do. I know you'll have some very cool clubs that we can go to and yeah. I know you'll have a great gym we can train at. Sure. So yeah. just keep looking down at us and keeping us in a nice positive place and uh we will miss you brother. We will definitely miss you.
1: Yeah, I know and- Mike had Mike had a lot of problems. He had uh, some substance abuse problems. He had a lot of ups and downs in his life, but I mean the reason I wanted to talk to you guys and kind of talk about the positive aspects of Mike's life was, you know, I mean, just like me being a fan, what I responded to was when he was on stage, he was so energetic. You could tell he had passion for the sport. That's right. You know, you would read about him training and he would just, you know, whatever his problems were outside with substance abuse or whatever, he really had a passion for bodybuilding. He was a, he was an old school bodybuilder and that's what I really liked about him. That's why I was a big fan of his.
2: Yeah, and he came from a football background in high school. He was a very good linebacker. In that's high school. right. He shattered, he shattered his arm. Yeah, it's, I heard about
3: that. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's
2: what took him out of that. And then he went, got into bodybuilding. Not like a lot of us. Like I played football. Was a good football player, and I got into bodybuilding. That was the segue, you know, uh, into all that. But yeah, uh, yeah so he was uh, he was he was an athlete.
1: Yeah, yeah. Rick, what was it like when you were hanging with him for the '87 USA? Because that was his first big win. Because for those that don't know, Mike, know Mike's history, uh, he won the Nava Universe back in 84. Uh, but then when he wanted to come over to the IFBB, they wouldn't let him just go to the IFBB. He had to start from the bottom.
0: I know. I know, man. But but he did the right thing every time. Came, trained. Every time he said he was going to show up, he did. Yeah. And a month before the shows, that's when we started working on posing. We started working on uh, posing routines, music. Mm-hmm. And then when you do that for a couple of weeks, I mean – Getting on stage is so happy. You're happy. You're normal. You yeah. feel so great. You're not yeah. nervous. Yeah. You know, so uh, he, he hit it off, and that was probably one of his best shows. He looked amazing. Yeah, yeah. His back was shredded. Great. His legs were cut. His biceps peaked. I mean, yeah. He was in great shape. But his posery routine tore the house down.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. For sure.
1: And that was a tough show. It was very, it true. was
0: a tough show. There were a lot of good guys there.
1: And back then, you had to win the whole thing. You had to win the That's whole right. thing. You the he, did. Yeah, he did. He yeah.
2: did. And, and yeah. that was the one that Jim uh, Quinn was in, right? Yep. Also, didn't want yep. to have? Yeah. 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 Johnny Morant. Johnny Morant, yeah. 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 And don't forget Neil Spruce. You just don't <laughs> remember me because I think I was eighth or seventh or something. Hey <laughs> okay, guys, hold on. Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm going to shut my uh, blinds Yeah, He really shone in that. He was shining in that one for sure. Yeah. We were blessed to have a friendship with him. Yeah, for
0: sure. For yeah, sure. We really were, bro.
2: Yeah. And last time I talked to him, the last time you talked to him, I talked to him about. I think it was a year and a half, two years, he was going through some serious health problems, and we had connected. And I and I, I showed him because he uh, – back when we were – he bought me, like, these cowboy boots from that boot place, that boot place on uh, on uh, Main Street for my birthday. And my wife went down there, and he bought these really cool ones with a buckle and a, a gold tip on, on the front and so forth. So I was wearing them that night and we had just connected. It was just a total coincidence. You know, and I go, I go, Mike, I'm wearing the boots that you got me for my birthday, you know, back in 89 or 90, whenever it was. And that's the last time I talked to him. That was about two years ago. I think we stayed in touch on email a little while. And then he dropped off on that too. I talked to
0: him. I talked to him because I told him I was going to put him in my book because I talked about certain people. I got, you know, I got the train with that gold shim. Yeah, and I talk about you know getting ready. I said, "Is there anything you want to say?" He goes, "I want to make sure you say that I am so grateful that I got to work for you with you Mm. for posing routines, music." And I was like, "Wow!" And it told me he had some health issues too. And I told him, "You know, God bless you. Take care. You're going to be all right."
1: But I don't know
0: what really happened. But
1: how long ago was
2: that? Well, maybe a year ago.
1: Oh really? Okay.
2: Yeah. You're more recent than me. I'm, I'm a good two. And it could even be three. I'm, I'm I, I know exactly where I was though when I was talking to him. So I called to Christina. I'm at the ranch on the back area there and I called to Christina. I got Mike on the phone, you know. So that was it. So we had i had a speaker and we talked and it was about you know two, two between two and three years ago, I think. Mm. Last time I talked to him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I spoke to him for at least six years. I had him on my podcast a couple of times. But I think mm. that was like seven, eight years ago. So I hadn't, see- yeah. I didn't see him on social media. So I was wondering what he was doing or what was going well, on. Well, his
2: health problem started about ten years ago, according to him. When That's I had right. solve, started at that point, started, I think it started
0: with a, a back surgery, right? Yeah, right. Again,
2: yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. Then he was getting, you know, some digital issues, obviously with the, a type of diabetes that you know he's getting neuropathy. Through all different parts of the body and so forth. At that point, so he was, he, we were talking about that. But well, Mike had diabetes. Uh, he had a, a form of it where you get to a point where you're end up with a neuropathy where you're not not getting enough button up blood to the end parts of the body, yeah. you know, and so forth, kind of going on, which is not uncommon for unfortunately bodybuilders uh, that have you know been users for a while. Yeah, and, and, and on top of that, other stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think Matt Mendenhall had a really bad back surgery too. I think. I think that might That's be right. what, what took yeah. Him out, you.
2: Yeah. Know? yeah. We right. lost that about two years ago, too. Yeah, I know. Along yeah. with Billy Smith and a bunch of other ones there as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. What was it like I- to live with Mike when you lived with him for a year?
2: Actually, it was very comfortable. I didn't think it would be as much as well as it was. But again, the fact that the last few months, you know, dieting for a show, even though he would sneak out at night once in a while, you know, know, I could hear him going out at night. Um, So I knew something bad was going to happen. Uh, And I would try to follow him every once in a while, but he was really good. Like I said, respectful. He loved my wife. I mean, they were. uh, And and the fact that Christina, who's very, very conservative, very sort of protective of, you know, everything and very private, um, as you know, know, because you've met her before, Rick, and uh, she uh, accepted him into her world and he became family and he acted like family. He was, Perfect. He was a very, very good house guest for that time. Loved every minute of it. Loved it all.
1: Yeah, as as wild as he might have been or what his image said he was, I mean, he always seemed to me like an old school guy who had respect and he grew up in a family. Family was important to him.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, He loved his mom and dad and his his, uh, family members. I mean, he really did because we would always send our our mom and dad presents for – Mother's Day, Father's Day, Christmas, yeah, and he would always talk about that. What are you going to get him? What are you going to? And you know, I I really enjoyed that because it's just respect. Yeah, when you show your parents nice. how much you really love them and yeah. respect them, I mean that's a beautiful thing.
2: Yeah, and I'll and I'll never forget this about Mike, John, and Rick. I remember him telling me that when he goes home to Boston, or you know, in Mass, there he would work out with his dad. I go, yeah. I never even thought about that because I never had a dad. And so I'm going, a dad that works out with the son, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And I go, so I went there one night, I spent the night there and slept in the basement. Um, but I'm just going, I couldn't believe, I go, God, I, I got a dad that works out with his son. How cool is that? Yeah. No, you his, know? Dad, his dad's a tough dude too. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. His dad yeah. is what got him started training, I think, right? That's right. Yeah. That's oh, right. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, that always came across in all his interviews. I could just tell he had a respect. You know, he had respect. You know, like you said, Rick, he respected respected older people, respected people above him, you know, and as wild and crazy as he might have been, he always had that. And that's what I liked
2: about him. That's right. But he was never going to take any shit from anybody, you know, so he was was that guy.
0: Yeah. No, he would talk shit to anybody who got on. That's
2: right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Rick, were you training with him for any of the Olympias he did, like 88, 89?
0: Uh, the Olympia. Well, I think he was training with Robbie Robinson. Then.
1: Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah he
0: was training yeah. with
3: Robbie in '88. He
0: nice. was with training with Robbie, and they they look both look great. Robbie, I mean Robbie's an amazing guy too. I mean, he's Robin's what 76, yeah, and he's shredded right now, and he trains yeah. hard and heavy. He's never been injured. He's
2: a, he's a freaking nature. He is. Yeah.
1: Oh, he's like, a legend.
2: Genetic freak for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you. I'm glad I had you guys on because I really wanted to get two people who knew Mike well. And uh, like I said, I always had a lot of respect for Mike. He was an inspiration to me when I was a kid. And uh, I know he went through some hard times, but he brought so much energy and so much joy to the sport. Like you said, Rick, when he's gone, what are we going to remember? And we're going to remember him for all That's the right. energy and all the, the joy he brought to bodybuilding. And he was a really exciting figure during his time. So he definitely left his mark and uh, I'll never forget him. And oh. so I'm glad we are able to uh, reminisce about him a little bit and, uh, and bring some uh, positivity to what he brought to the sport.
2: Thank you. Agreed. Yeah, thanks for putting this together, John, because, you know, he was special without a doubt. I think, to your point, Ricky, you notice all the outpouring, you know, coming on to Facebook and all through yeah. social media about someone that was not nearly as big as some of the other guys, but it looks like you know, like a president of the United States died, you know, like, like, you know, Mm -hmm. one of those things. So it just, it goes, it speaks volumes about, you know, what he did bring to this sport. And the fact that young people still admire him, his physique, you know, his character, you know, so many of those things. So I'm really glad John that you put this together, you know, all the way around and appreciate the fact I'm honored to be on here to be able to help salute Mike and, you know, and wish, well, you know, just, Hopefully everything to, kind of works out, and I think Rick, uh, you know, people to to help out with the family there and everything else. Hopefully yeah, I'll all put that out.
1: I'll put that link on the bottom of this uh, yeah. meeting too. So yeah. Great, so we
2: will
1: do, do that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. but you're you're right, Neil. I mean, uh, I saw a lot of stuff from people who said I met Mike here, I met Mike there, I met him at a gym, I met him at a contest, and when I first met him, the first time I ever met him, I admired him in the magazines for many years, but it was at the 1990 Ironman Pro that was in Redondo Beach. And I was in California, like I'm visiting on vacation, and they had the contest that weekend. So I went and saw it. And Mike was in the lobby, and I was a little bit like, oh, "Should I go over there?" You know, I heard this guy's a badass, you know, but he was the coolest dude, you know, and he that's was right. so down to earth, exactly. so cool. And it's amazing that's when you meet someone that you admire like that, and they they take the time to be cool with you, even if it's for like five minutes. You'll never forget it. You never forget that for the rest. That's of- right. You know? That's right.
2: That was Mike, and that's a great way to sort of and that, that was mike right yeah. there john that yeah. was him tough guy but if you came up and as a, as a shy person and i went to him he'd give you everything right there
1: yeah, yeah. Exactly. i remember saying that to myself i was like i thought this guy was an asshole but he's really cool yeah. He yeah. Not exactly asshole, you know? <laughs>
2: yeah very good very good
1: all right thank, yeah. you, guys. Rick, all thank right. you very much for coming on the show good talking to you guys right. again and yeah. uh, all the best to Mike and uh, to Mike's family and all his friends out there who are still going through the suffering of his passing. So, yes, uh, we wish him all the sure. best. This one's for Mike. And
2: absolutely, Mike, we salute you. Thank yes. You, all right. Thanks, John. Thanks, Rick. Okay.
1: Guys. Take care. All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bodybuilding Legends podcast. Thanks to Neil Spruce and Rick Valente for coming on the show and uh, helping me to give a tribute to Mike Quinn. Rest in peace, Mike. We are going to miss you. You were really, really a great bodybuilder. All right. I also want to thank our Patreon sponsors for continuing to sponsor the Bodybuilding Legends podcast. I could not keep this show going without you guys, so thank you very much. And if you're interested in becoming a Patreon sponsor yourself, you could do it for as little as $5 a month. I have the link right below, so you can just click on that link and sign up and you'll just be charged every month. And for helping to contribute to the show as a Patreon donor, I will give you a newsletter that we put out every week or two that covers different things going on in the bodybuilding world. And depending on what sponsorship level you choose, you will also get an audio article that I give to you every week and also maybe a video article that I send out to our Patreon donors. So it's just my way of giving back and helping you guys for helping to keep the show going. So I appreciate you. And also, if you have any questions or any comments on the show, please send them to me at naturalolympia at gmail.com, and I will read your questions on the air. All right, guys, without any further ado, let me read this article that was sent to us by one of our Patreon donors, Jim Kerr, so I appreciate it, Jim. Thank you very much. This is from the May-June issue, 1966 issue of Muscle Builder Magazine. It's written by Armad Tani, and the name of the article is about last week's interview that we did, Gabriel Boudreau. And it says how Gabriel Boudreau turned jeers into cheers. Once laughed at off the posing dais, Weeder boss bombing brought him to championship glory. It says, as I pulled up in front of the gym, I could tell it was going to be another one of those hectic nights at Vince's. Some of the trainees had spilled into the street to get a breath of air that wasn't filled with the moisture of sweat from the bombers inside. Taking a fresh gulp of air, I lowered my head and I fought through the wall of flesh that was claiming a great portion of the ozone around me. Finally, I found Vince sitting calmly behind his desk. What can I do for you, he said. Vince, I just want to pick up the photos you said you had for me. Here they are. Incidentally, you're always looking for new and interesting faces in the bodybuilding. Why don't you have a talk with Gable Boudreaux? Who, I said, having never heard the name. I'll call him over, Vince replied. Across the gym floor strode a miniature Hercules, a well-shaped mass of twisting sinew. I must have been quite a sight with my eyes popping out and my jaw dropped open. My first words were, how come I never seen you before? After introductions, Gable told me that he had just come from New Orleans, so he was new to the Southern California scene. The following evening was to be the Junior Mr. Los Angeles contest. It was to be Gabe's initial appearance in any physique contest outside of his native area. Gabe, I learned, already held such titles as Teenage Mr. South, Mr. Gulf Coast, Mr. South Coast, Mr. North Louisiana, and Mr. Physical Fitness, and he collected some 30 trophies in the process. But this was the lion's den. This was where the big men trained. With all this in mind, I was doubly anxious to see the outcome of the season's first physique show. Could little David hold his own in the midst of all these Goliaths? As usual, the caliber of the contestants was superior, In fact, they looked almost better than the year before. I still can't figure out where they all come from each year. Weeder methods have clearly forged more than once mediocre trainees into champion bodybuilders than ever before. Each year, as new weeder techniques are developed, new potential champs seem to pop up in all directions. These junior events prove this more than any other comparable show. The announcer finally called Gabe to the posing platform. After hopping on the dais, he stood for a few seconds to let the effects set in. It was quite an effect, too. Just standing there relaxed, he presented an aura of physical grace and power. Everyone in the audience was visibly surprised. Then Gabriel Boudreaux began his posing routine. He glided from one pose to another with the muscular beauty of a python. Everyone began to cheer. They could have brought down the curtain right then, for everyone knew who the winner would be. While he walked into the auditorium that night as Gabriel Boudreaux, he left as Mr. Junior Los Angeles. A week or so later, he was to garner the Mr. San Pedro crown. So far, he had not been defeated in the Southern California Physique Wars. This was not always the case, however. Gabe is not a tall fellow. His lack of height was more than matched by his lack of muscle. But a few years ago, he stood five six and he weighed 109 pounds. A life full of sickness had been his for too long a period of time. I've got to do something about my health, he was often heard to say. But what? Steve Reeves stood proudly on the cover of the copy of Muscle Builder that Gabe decided to purchase from the local newsstand. The Reeves physique seemed to dare him to try to match it. Gabe devoured every page, and he still has the copy, which he refuses to part with. Enthusiastically, he dove into his training. Three times a week, he would bomb away. After a short while, he felt he was ready to try the water in a small local physique contest. Standing in the wings, Gabe thought his heart would pound through his chest. Finally, they called his name. Slowly and haltingly, he made his way to the posing platform. Suddenly, he was bathed in the cold silver glare of the posing light. He wanted to leave, but he couldn't. He began his routine. Then he heard the first dreadful sound. Someone started to laugh. Then others started. Within seconds, it seemed that the whole place was laughing their heads off. Hey, Shorty, why don't you go home and play with the little kids, someone yelled. Everyone laughed even harder. Gabe was literally jeered off the stage. With his head buried in his chest, he went off. He didn't even bother to shower. For days, he stayed close to home, too ashamed to venture into a hostile world. One evening, he sat down to think over a situation. Gabe was a fighter, and he was determined that laughter at his efforts was not going to remain unavenged. I'll show them all, he thought. He gathered together all the muscle magazines he collected so far. Then he started to map out all his routines. He experimented with this principle and that supersets, muscle priority, tri-bombing. He experimented with them all. Finally, he hit upon the combination that seemed to give him the best results. Then he started bombing four days a week, then five, and finally six days in a split routine. The young people around here call anything that's great boss, Gabe told me. I thought bombing away was the greatest, so I began to call my workouts boss bombing. A year of boss bombing passed, and it was time again for the contest, which caused him so much pain. He'd been careful in the intervening time not to let anyone see the transformation that had taken place. The hecklers were in the audience early, for they had heard of Gabe's entry. We want Gabe! We want Gabe! They started a chant. Cold sweat began to pour from Gabe's brow. Leave, you idiot, he mumbled to himself. And then he started to listen to the remarks. The more he heard, the madder he got. He just stood in the wings in his bathrobe, clenching his fist. Even the other contestants standing nearby were snickering. Finally, his name was called. A howl went up from the audience. He took off his robe. Those near to him let out a gasp of surprise. He walked slowly to the posing dais amidst the hoots and catcalls. It took courage to step under that merciless light, but Gabe has never lacked that. Suddenly, a hush fell upon the crowd. Gabe just stood there for a minute. Then someone started to clap. Finally, someone else joined in. Then, like a wave, the auditorium was engulfed in cheers. Gabe fought the tears of his pride. It was an emotional drama that has seldom been equaled in that hall. Gable Boudreau had won his first title. After that, he seemed unbeatable. He began collecting enough gold to warrant the protection given to Fort Knox. As his body weight increased, so did his power. He was able to squat 325 pounds at a body weight of 129 pounds, a southern record. An unfortunate training accident forced him out of competitive powerlifting. Conquering all the worlds in his home territory, Gable began to cast a covetous eye toward Muscle Beach. Spurred on by his desire to be around the very best, plus his interest in an acting career, he made his way to Hollywood. Gable Boudreaux's boss bombing routine, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, schedule. Chest, incline dumbbell press, five sets of 10 reps with 90-pound dumbbells for a high chest and upper pectoral development. Decline dumbbell presses, five sets of 10 reps with 90-pound dumbbells to carve that slab-like lower pec effect. Flies with pulleys, five sets of 10 reps with 30 pounds on each pulley for that inner pec relief map look. Legs, hack squats, six sets of 12 reps with 150 pounds to bring out that dramatic thigh sweep. Leg extension, six sets of 12 reps with 100 pounds to obtain lower thigh definition and power. Foe raises, six sets of 20 reps on the calf machine for that diamond shape. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule: back, pull-downs on the lap machine, five sets of 10 reps with 170 pounds to pull out and widen the upper back. Front chins on the bar, five sets of 10 reps with 45 pounds around the waist for those deep upper back ridges of muscle. Shoulders, dumbbell presses, six sets of 10 reps with 40-pound dumbbells to bring out deltoid size and power. Side laterals, six sets of 10 reps with 40-pound dumbbells for deltoid size and definition. Press behind the neck, six sets of 10 reps with a 150-pound barbell for great shoulder power. Biceps, Scott Curl, six sets of 10 reps with a 90-pound dumbbell on the curl bench for the Larry Scott biceps. Concentration Curl, six sets of 10 reps with a 45-pound dumbbell to bring out that high dramatic peak. Triceps Pulley Extension, six sets of 10 reps with an 80 pounds to carve out the deep inner tricep heads. Push down on the lap machine, six sets of 10 reps with 80 pounds to build size and power. One arm extension, six sets of 10 reps with 50 pounds for tensile strength and muscle shape. And then abdominals, leg kickups, 100 reps done every night for that rugged midsection. Each workout takes around two and a half hours of concentrated bombing. The results of Gabe's boss bombing routine have been worth it. From the beginning of only 109 pounds, he now compresses the Fairbanks to 155 pounds. His buggy whip arms used to measure 12 inches. His chest sunk to a lousy 34 inches. His waist was 24. His thighs were a spinely 17 inches, maxed by 12-inch calves, while his head was supported by a 13-inch pencil. (laughs) Now, after over two years of boss bombing, Gabe's arm stretched the tape to 17 and a half, his chest swells to a massive 46. His waist is a trim 27. His thighs sweep to a dramatic 23 inches. And his calf bulges to 15 half inches. His head is now supported by a robust column of muscle 16 half inches around. Quite a change. Not all of this transformation was due to training alone. Weeder Wildcat supplements gave him the power and drive to blitz his body. His favorites are Super Pro 101, and crash weight formula number seven. Gabe believes in plenty of sleep, trying to get at least nine hours of it every night. All that sleep is needed for the energy he has to expend on his training. When he's awake, he eats three meals a day. Breakfast consists of two eggs, beef patty, milk, and a can of Super Pro 101. For lunch, he has a beef patty, cottage cheese, milk, and a can of Super Pro 101. His dinner of steak, salad, and some vegetable, cottage cheese, milk, and you guessed it, Another can of super pro 101. Gabe is really forging ahead and making his own future to come to meet him. He wants to someday wear the Mr. Olympia crown, like his favorite Larry Scott, whatever happens, I feel certain it will be boss. Come alive. You're in the leader generation. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you, Jim, for sending that article. That was great. So uh, Gabe talked about that last week, of course, on our interview where he said he got laughed off the stage in his first contest. And then he came back one year later And he won that contest. So that was cool stuff. And I don't think he was taking the Weeder Pro 101. I think he was taking Blair's Protein, as he said in our interview. But, of course, they couldn't say that in the Weeder magazines. All right, guys, that's it for our show this week. Next week, we will be back with our friends Jerry Branham and Mark Martinez, and we will review the new Arnold documentary that is currently on Netflix. So check that out if you get a chance between now and next week's show. Until then, stay safe. Train hard and we'll see you guys next week. Take care.